Harry Potter. Oh, Harry Potter. 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 And the Half Drunk Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Harry Potter and the Half-Drunk Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Emily. And this week, we are bringing you guys some content that we feel is deserved. Though Warner Brothers may not feel is deserved. We do. So, this week, we are talking about the, quote, other Weasleys. So, we are talking about Bill, Charlie, and Percy Weasley, the three brothers who get the least amount of time in the books and even less time in the films, and they are definitely underrated, undervalued, and maybe, you know, in some cases, one case particularly, a little (laughs) misunderstood. So? Yeah. I think this episode, like you said, it's long overdue, especially for Charlie Weasley. Justice for Charlie Weasley. (laughs) That poor guy is only in the films one time. And we posted it on our social media and on Monday. And it's just in a picture. And it's just in a picture. And you don't even really know which one is him or Bill. It's never... Yeah. And you barely see it in the film. Yep. It's a, it's a disgrace. It is. So this week's drink in honor of the Weasley's signature ginger hair is a Mai Tai. Yeah. It's also a very summery drink because mm-hmm. we're now in summer um full mode in summer yes fully in summer although it may not feel like that for some of us but it's okay um so it's one and a half ounces of white rum a half ounce of fresh lime juice a half ounce of orange corcal coracao 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 i knew it i will never get that word right okay a half ounce of Orgeat syrup, three quarters ounces of dark rum. So then you combine all of these ingredients together in a shaker and shake, except for the dark rum, with ice. And then you strain into a glass and you float the dark rum on the top and garnish and serve with a straw. I garnished with a pineapple. Yeah, I did too. And I actually uh, modified the recipe a little bit to fit some of the stuff that I already had. So instead of half an ounce of orange curacao, I used half an ounce of triple sec because it's just another orange liqueur. And instead of the orgeat syrup, I used orange juice. (laughs) But it's still really good. It's actually really strong. I mean, it's mostly rum. Right. And it's super pretty, especially when you float the dark rum on top. It kind of looks like a sunset. But yeah, we actually had someone suggest for us to drink a Mai Tai, and we were like, holy shit, we haven't had a Mai Tai yet. Like, what the hell? Nicki Minaj would be so disappointed in us. So <laughs> here we are. Our apologies, Nicki. Please don't come for us. We're not ready for that. We would never be ready for that. Right. But I think it's pretty great, like you said, for summary, and it's also orange, like the ginger hair so cheers to the other weasleys the other weasleys just like the other tucker john tucker must die reference oh boy i haven't seen that in a minute underrated movie so i I think we should start with the brother who gets 
the most airtime to the brother who gets the least amount of airtime. Oh, so you don't want to go in order of birth. No. Let's start with Percy. So we've talked about Percy Weasley a lot on this podcast. We have said in the past that he might have been better suited for Slytherin just because he's super ambitious Mm -hmm. and cunning he is the one Weasley that has a falling out with the family because we're presented this family that's super close-knit, right, throughout all of the books and all of the films. And that's really not explored in the films as much as it is in the books. In the films, he's just kind of, like, to the side. But we he's don't, just kind of gone. Yeah. Right. But we and don't get the tension. drama. There, yeah, there's definitely tension, but we don't get the drama. He's kind of like the prodigal son, right, of the Weasley family. He has a really good arc, I think, that kind of goes to show how you can let certain things get in the way of what's really important and kind of clouding your judgment and then kind of be redeemed in the end a little bit. But everyone has an opinion about Percy Weasley, which is kind of why I like his character, but also kind of why I don't like his character, because my opinion of him is kind of harsh, I guess. But he, he is super misunderstood, I think. But overall. yeah, that's the thing. is like we are kind of only presented this one narrative of Percy Weasley. You know, we yeah. only see him through the eyes of Fred and George and, and Ron. Ron and Harry. And, you know, I definitely empathize with Molly when her son goes off and leaves the family. But I think for him, like he really wanted to prove himself. Yeah. And, you know, not just in the eyes of other pure-blooded wizards, but in some of the ministry workers, Arthur was looked down upon because of his chosen profession and didn't make a lot of money. Right. Molly was obviously a stay-at-home mom. So I think Percy just wanted to, like, shed his Weasley persona and just be respected in the world of, in the professional world and in the political world of wizards. 100%. And, you know, I get that. I mean, he's a third son so he already had Charlie and Bill, who both had, like, a lot of success in Hogwarts. And, of course, he wanted to be just as good as them and became a prefect and had boy. And, you know, I think he got a lot of shit from his family. And it was probably really easy for him to just walk away because he always felt like they gave him a ton of shit all the time, especially Fred and George, and didn't understand him. So. Yeah, he's he's definitely the black sheep of the family. It's also important, I think, to note in this scenario that J.K. Rowling does not trust anyone who seeks power. That's just like a continuous theme threaded mm. throughout the whole series. So someone who wants to gain power, because he does at the end of the day, that is his goal, is to move up within the Ministry of Magic. And honestly, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the... The fact that that's what this character wants, she is going to kind of paint him in sort of a more negative light than someone like Hermione, right? Or someone like Fred and George who really don't want power. They just want to have fun, right? So it's important to keep in mind that while writing this, she does have a bias. And right. so she is going to present characters as such. It's just how she's going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for Percy when he comes back. He clearly, I think he knew that he was doing, he was on the wrong wrong track before, like long before he actually turned around. But I think he was just too prideful to come right. back when he didn't really necessarily feel that it was urgent, I guess, until after, 
Voldemort was back, had clearly taken over the ministry, and it came down to a fight. And you know what? He came in. So... Yeah, I, I mean, I think everyone pretty much knows a lot about Percy, so I don't feel the need to go into a bunch of specifics about him. What is cool is that after the war, he did end up getting married, and he had a daughter who he named after his mother. So one could assume that he completely repaired that relationship and then paid homage to Molly, which I think is really sweet. Yeah, definitely. So the Wizarding World website has published an article that was originally on Pottermore that says, in defense of Percy Weasley. And honestly, I didn't think I was going to find something like this on Pottermore, so I'm glad that we did. And I think maybe we can just read parts of it and we can kind of understand more of a point of view on Percy. Yeah, sounds good. So for many years, Percy was seen as the rather pompous but ultimately harmless older brother of Ron, Fred, and George. But as Voldemort started to take power, Percy ended up siding with his beloved ministry over his family. Percy wasn't a bad person and didn't have any desire to join the dark side. He was just easily impressed by power and status. He came from a family who weren't particularly well off and had hand-me-downs throughout his life. Although his father worked at the ministry, the job wasn't well paid, and due to the nature of his personality, he didn't command the same level of respect as some of his colleagues. It's easy to see why Percy would aspire to be something more, and he wasn't the only Weasley that felt their family status and comparative wealth quite keenly. Ron was often dispirited by the family's lack of funds, becoming jealous of Harry's fame and gold on numerous occasions. Percy dealt with this feeling in a different way, channeling his energies into his ambition. I mean, I totally agree with all of that. I think we kind of said that a little bit, too, but... Yeah, there's nothing wrong with wanting to make a better life for yourself. While the Weasleys are kind of a fantastic example of a strong family, they also are, I mean, they're poor. That's just, you really have to just call a spade a spade here. And there's really, there's nothing wrong with that, right? That's the life they've chosen and they, they make the best of it. And their kids don't like go wanting things. They have everything they need. Right. Right. But yeah, there's nothing wrong with wanting to prove yourself. And he had a lot of potential. He was a prefect. He was head boy. He had everything going for him. And it was all kind of just lining up and getting out of your family's shadow. Everyone wants to do that to some degree. Yeah. And I think we also have to remember that Percy is very much like a white or black person. Right. That sounded wrong. But you know what? (laughs) There's little gray area. One way or the other. There's no gray gray area. So he's very much like a rule follower and enforcer and takes his roles very seriously. Like we see that when he's prefect, he enjoyed enforcing the rules, you know, and using that power. We see it whenever he is Barty Crouch's assistant, where he's just following him around like a puppy dog all the time and like always ready to pounce and do whatever it is that Barty Crouch needs him to do. And he takes it takes it seriously but I think where he falls for me is just when he takes it more seriously than his family right so like that that is the catch-22 is that all these things are important but where he differs from his family is that he holds it above his family whereas yeah everybody else in the family holds the family first right and unlike Ron who I think they're a lot more similar than we even realize, and this article kind of brings that up, is 
Well, Ron would never, like, go against the grain and go against his family. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's his biggest downfall, as we've said. And I think a lot of that had to come with embarrassment and wanting to make a name for himself and not really knowing what he was getting himself into, I guess. I think Percy had worked so hard to be where he wanted to be that seeing what the ministry was becoming and seeing that it was being taken over by Voldemort was probably like really hard to come to terms with. And he's like, okay, well now I have to crawl back to my family with my tail between my legs. Swallow my pride. Yeah, because I know that I need to be on the right side of history with this, but also I'm going to lose if the Order of the Phoenix doesn't end up winning and Voldemort wins. I'm going to lose everything I worked for. Right. And my whole family. And my whole family in the process. Yeah. Right. Right. And I think also, you know, he... Yeah, I don't, I don't think he wanted this rift between his family. He didn't want this estrangement. But it, whenever he was promoted to, like, undersecretary of the minister or whatever, his family basically suggested that he was just being used. And they right. were, like, play, like, you know, using him to their own device to gain something. And he didn't take that well. Like, nobody would, especially somebody who bases all of their worth on their achievements. So for you to say, oh, you didn't actually achieve that, they're just using you you'd be pretty fucking pissed at your family, too. Yeah. It's a big punch in the face. It really is. For sure. But all that being said, after he found out that he was a little bit blinded by his position and his power that he thought that he had attained in the ministry, finally, he realized that Voldemort was really back and that he made a mistake by turning his back on his family and... He returns to the final battle, and he was actually fighting against Death Eaters right there along Fred and George when Fred was killed. So, yeah. I think just before we leave Percy, I I really just, as someone who doesn't agree with him really at all, and it's hard for me to kind of see his point of view, you made an excellent point saying we really just see him through the twins' eyes and then by proxy Ron's eyes and Harry's eyes because mm-hmm. Ron just wants to impress the twins. He doesn't really seem to right. want and to impress he always else. has the same opinion as them. Right. And you couldn't ask for three more different brothers than Fred and George and Percy. They're just extremely different people. We see that in the Sorcerer Stone. Doing, I mean, just right off the bat, we see how different they are. It's, right. It's just honestly unfair. Justice for Percy Weasley. This took a turn. <laughs> this took a. This took a I huge don't know turn. if I'm gonna go that far. I'm still. I'm keeping my justice with Charlie for now, but I will admit my wrongs in judging Percy too harshly. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I will admit my guilt. Okay, so I guess next we'll move on to Bill. Yeah. Because he has the second largest amount of time in the books and on screen. So we all know Bill. He's like the cool one with the ponytail and the earring, and he's the oldest brother. And he, after graduating Hogwarts, went to work for Gringotts, and he was like a curse breaker or something for Gringotts and he worked in Egypt so he's just like very 
interesting and mysterious and exotic and just like the cool brother who just like went off to do cool shit whenever he was done but he also achieved a lot when he was at hogwarts he was also prefect and head boy so we know that he's smart we know that he's ambitious and apparently he's pretty hot so there's that too (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's extremely intelligent he's extremely brave he it's kind of the embodiment of what you would expect a Weasley to be. He's a true Gryffindor through and through. Mm-hmm. He also has a lot of ambition. You really can't get to where he got in his career at Gringotts as a human and not have ambition, right? So right. I think him and him, Charlie and Percy are kind of birds of the same feather. They're very different, but they all have ambition in different areas. He was very intelligent, just like Percy, and he kind of chose a different route and had still more adventure in him than Percy did. Kind of more like Charlie. They're like, Bill's in the middle. Like, Charlie is, they're all on, like, this spectrum, this older brother Weasley spectrum, I'm going to (laughs) say. And Bill's, like, in the middle of it. So it's good that he's in the middle, but. I will say that, you know how there's some sort of, um, I guess assumptions whenever there's three kids like the first one is the one who's like the achiever and the rule follower and just very like um, strategized thinking and like systematic that's usually the firstborn child yeah and then the middle child is just kind of like the goal with the flow kind of gets looked over all the time aka Charlie and then the younger one is supposed to be the kind of free-spirited one who like nobody can't control and they're always giving the parents the most trouble but also the ones who are like clearly adored a lot by everybody because they're the younger ones so it kind of feels flipped that Percy is the one who's more straight-edged you know than Bill right they would be in separate order if they if they only had those three kids but yeah so Bill is super interesting and Harry is very interested in him right off the bat after meeting him. We learn a lot more about Bill than we do really about Charlie, but we know that he comes back once Voldemort has returned and is working in the Order of the Phoenix. He starts dating Fleur and obviously we have spoken to his merits when we were doing our deep dive when we have our time with him at the Shell Cottage and he's very underrated as a character who is very perceptive and observant, I think, and also really strategic because he was pretty much already on to what Harry and Ron and Hermione were planning, and he could figure that out just by watching them. Yeah, I also think it's kind of interesting that Bill and Floor, in a way, mirror um, Lily and James because at a time of war, they're settling down and starting a family and starting to build a new life for themselves while Mm -hmm. the world is kind of just in complete chaos. So I I think it's also nice that J.K. Rowling kind of throws us these happy moments, and a lot of them in the sixth, the end of the sixth and beginning of the seventh book, they revolve around Bill and Floor. And their wedding and them living at Shell Cottage and them encouraging the relationship between Lupin and Tonks. Yeah. And I think that's that's an important point to make, too, is that Bill and Fleur are the, like, happy ending version of the mirror of Lily and James. Whereas right, right. Tonks and Lupin are a real mirror of parents, like, dying in the battle and leaving their son. Whereas Fleur and Bill are 
the opposite <laughs> kind of like they still went through the same things but they made it through and they still get to parent their child yeah i also think it's interesting again that even though bill was attacked by a werewolf and because he wasn't like fully transformed at the time that we see that he doesn't have the full ramifications that lupin does but he's so mm-hmm. positive Mm-hmm. Even right after his bite, he's like, yeah, it'll be okay. It is what it is. We'll come to terms with it and everything. He's, like, so positive. And you're right. He is the happy – he's the happy ending version of Lupin and Tonks. Yeah. And it's so interesting to me that then his daughter goes on to date Teddy. Right. Right. No, I think, you know, that is strangely calculated. Very calculated. (laughs) We see you, Joe. We see you. Yeah. But here are some other ways that Bill Weasley is pretty much, I think, the coolest Weasley brother. I mean, when Harry is describing him, he says his clothes um, would fit in at a rock concert. He had, like, dragon hide boots, and I just picture him, like, with leather jacket and just cool stuff, you know? So he's a curse breaker, which is clearly a pretty badass job, and you have to be really good at defense against the dark arts to do. And he's working in Egypt, close to the pyramids is where they were taking that picture, so he's kind of like (laughs) the equivalent to Indiana Jones in the Wizarding World. Yeah, I kind of see him as like a hybrid of Lupin and Sirius a bit. Yeah. Just with how cool and, but also super studious like Lupin and... Yeah, Bill's just awesome. And we said it in our last deep dive. He just really gets robbed in the films. They make him, like, he's still attractive, but they kind of water him down a bit, which they do pretty much with all of the minor characters, in my opinion. But, yeah, no, I I love Bill Weasley, and I think it was really important for Ron to kind of grow up with his influence of, like, yeah, I can be cool and also studious and successful. And I guess that's just kind of what you get when you have so many older siblings. But yeah, I think Bill is just the person that you want by your side in like a crisis situation. Like he stays cool, he stays calm, but he knows what to do. Like he springs into action. We see it multiple times in the book, like after he was attacked and bleeding profusely he was worried if the person who conjured the dark mark had been caught like he wasn't worried about himself he wanted to get the guy and bring him to justice and then in another scenario he kept his cool when Dumbledore was trying to get people to do their duties once they learned that Voldemort had returned and everyone was like freaking out and Bill cut Dumbledore off and was like leave it to me I'll get everyone to do what they're supposed to do and you you just can rely on him so I think honestly he's just a stand-up guy he really is I I think he's just kind of like a collection of all of the Weasley personalities a bit because he's super smart and he's super ambitious but he's also he loves his family and he wanted to settle down young, just like Molly and Arthur, and he's really true to his wife. I mean, he scored a Vila. Like, let's give him some props for that, right? I mean, she's like an eighth Vila, right? Or a quarter but Vila. Still. But still. Yeah, still. Still. And he's adventurous, like Charlie, which we'll get to in a second. But he also has a sense of humor, like the twins. So. 
Right. Yeah, I don't know. He's just awesome. He's super he underrated. He really is. Super underrated. And you know what? We would probably have more to say about Charlie that's along the same lines if we knew more. But that brings us to the last other Weasley, Charlie Weasley, whom we really only see a couple times throughout the book, which is really unfortunate. And can we also, like, please mention that on, like, the Harry Potter wiki thing, his picture is literally the cropped image of this (laughs) shitty family photo in Egypt. Like, yeah. It's terrible. And we're not even sure if this was supposed to be Charlie or if it was supposed to be Bill. Someone just assumed, all right, I think this is Charlie. Because it's not the same actor, of course, that they have later. So, for Bill. Yeah. So, it's just super confusing. I don't know. I, oh, it just kills me. It just kills me. Yeah. It's it's just honestly a disgrace that Char- Charlie didn't get any love when he was also pretty successful at Hogwarts. I mean, he was a prefect. He was the captain of the Quidditch team at his time there, and he was a seeker also before Harry came into play, and he was also in the same year as Tonks, so I think that's pretty cool, and like, what the hell? I want to see an interaction between Tonks and Charlie, because they would have gone to school together, had classes together, known each other, like, and I also think that Charlie has a really fucking badass job where he trains dragons, you know? Like, yep. why can't we get some more about that? That's fucking interesting. That's entertaining. We need a Charlie Weasley spinoff where it's like <laughs> how the mother of dragons, Charlie Weasley, is there just learning in Romania. I, I would watch the shit out of that. Yeah, for real. Honestly. And then later on, we see that Charlie was visited by his parents and sister during Christmas one year, and then also whenever Hagrid got the dragon Norbert, the Norwegian Ridgeback, Ron wrote to Charlie to help him out, and Charlie had friends to come help him pick up the dragon, and, you know, that all just got left out of the movie completely, and that would have been our first chance to see Charlie in the flesh, but we did not. Yeah, and then he comes to the Quidditch World Cup with them. That's left Mm -hmm. out of the films. We might have seen the back of Charlie Weasley when (laughs) Hagrid is showing Harry the dragons and right because all those keepers have brought them there. Yeah, but we don't know for sure. If we did, we probably saw it. Who knows? He's also a member of the Order of the Phoenix, but that just gets kind of like overbrushed it's just like oh yeah he's still in the order of the phoenix but he's just still in romania so like it's an easy cop out not only that but he has a special job in the order of the phoenix appointed by dumbledore to recruit foreign wizards right that's pretty important but he's still in romania so we don't have to really know any more than that and it never gets mentioned again he he was the best man in bill and floor's wedding in the books but was curiously not at the wedding that we see in the films he did join the battle yeah but he arrived but it was towards, towards the, the end yeah. with reinforcements that had come from hogsmeade physically he's described as kind of matching the twins book description kind of short and stocky mm-hmm. which kind of makes sense if he was shorter and he was a seeker yeah but kind of like counteracts my description of a typical seeker of being like more slim 
built. Yeah, since he's I'm a thinking very just a short build. thing, but but you have to be muscular if you're working with dragons every day, for sure. <laughs> and he was described by his brothers as being an outdoor type, and he obviously had a liking of magical creatures and animals whenever he decided he wanted to go learn more about dragons. And he was always very happy, friendly with everybody whenever we saw him, including his siblings and Hagrid and Harry. But yeah, and he was brave, clearly, sort of into Gryffindor, obviously brave to deal with dragons, obviously brave to come back and fight in the Battle of Hogwarts. Um, But I do think what's interesting is after the war, Charlie didn't rushed to settle down like it seemed everybody else did. He didn't get married ever. He didn't have any kids. And all he wanted to do was just keep studying his dragons and doing him. Yeah. I mean, in that way, he is the opposite of Bill, right? He doesn't want to settle down. He is good with just being ambitious in his career and learning more about dragons and living abroad. And that's that. Yep. A man of few words because we... Don't ever get to hear them. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Yes. Probably as few words as we could possibly get. We (laughs) briefly interact with him in the Sorcerer's Stone. But other than that, we really don't. And, you know, I feel like, you know, distance makes the heart grow fonder. For some reason, I am very attached to Charlie Weasley. <laughs> like, I know. in my head, I'm like, I'm rooting for you, my dude. Like, I love you. You seem really cool. And we don't have all this information about you, so I can just make up whatever I want. And I kind of have a crush on him, to be honest. He loves animals. He's, you know, good at sports. Like, he's good with his family. What more do you want? <laughs> yeah. That's honestly so true. We know next to friggin' nothing about Charlie Weasley. <laughs> yeah, we're like, we must protect him literally at all costs. We <laughs> we deserve more Charlie Weasley. Honestly, you know what? Whenever this um, deep dive comes to an end and we're trying to figure out what we need to do next, maybe we'll just s- start... Our own fan fiction of Charlie Weasley's life. Oh my gosh, we totally Charlie, should. Charlie and Bill. We'll just do all the other Weasleys. Just do a little biopic on them. Make it up. I think it'd be great. But, yeah, that kind of... That's the other Weasleys. I mean, unfortunately, we don't know much else. So... Yeah. We know a lot about the twins. Rightfully so. Our lives would not be the same if it weren't for Fred and George. Let's just be and real. We could have done a Fred and George character profile, but I feel like I can't do it until we discuss Fred's death in the next couple episodes, because that's coming up when we finish up our deep dive. That's going to really... Oh, God. I don't want to read that. I know. (laughs) I'm procrastinating. Oh, my gosh. We have to finish it. It's crazy that we're at this point. I'm glad to, I'm glad this episode is fun because we're about to get to like two really, really heavy, dense episodes for f- yep. completing our deep dive. Completing our deep dive, coming up on our two year anniversary and 100th Harry's episode. birthday, 100th episode to boot. It's wild. It's a wild ride. It's been real though. So enjoy, enjoy this short episode. Because we promise the next two will not be short. <laughs> and honestly, like, I might need a Mai Tai for the next ones, too, because this shit is strong. And I'm kind of glad that we didn't go longer, because... 
Whoops. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, basically, to sum it up, we freaking love the Weasley family, and we mm-hmm. just want more of them all the time. And my opinion changed more. of Percy Weasley. Perhaps that will happen next episode with Snape. Perhaps Sam will be able to do what no one else has been able to do before. And <laughs> get me on Snape's side. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe Probably just not. give you a little bit of empathy. Yeah. We'll see. Okay. We'll see. All right. Okay. Well, <laughs> as always, you can find us at HP Half Drunk on Instagram and Twitter. And Harry Potter and the Half Drunk Podcast on Facebook And be sure to join our Facebook group because you'll get updates on memes. You'll get updates on Harry Potter trivia nights and products that are coming out. Links to cool things you can buy. Hell yeah. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, for sure. And you can listen to us wherever you listen to a podcast, wherever you are listening now. Be sure to subscribe and give us a rating leave us a review keep letting us know what you guys want to hear keep dming us and asking questions we love it so yeah just um get ready for next week yep. all right well have a great week cheers mischief managed, mischief managed.